Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally, and that is all down to my incredible guests. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are absolutely willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. And my guest today is a full-time entrepreneur and mother who says, and I quote, I firmly believe that you can have whatever it is that you desire. It takes mental fortitude to push through the rough days, a belief in your system, yourself that you will reach and deserve greatness and most importantly consistency in working towards your goals every day jesse park now jesse is the founder and president of inspired insurance solutions llc which consists of hundreds of agents nationwide she has taught the good better best method to thousands of agents nationwide and help countless agents start successful careers. Now, selling insurance can be a lucrative career, but few people really make it. Jessie Park is one of the ones who did make it. And in just four years, she went from scraping by on unemployment to a top sales agent to then opening her own agency. But her journey to success wasn't an easy one. And Jessie joins us today to share how the right mindset coupled with unwavering grit, can empower people to overcome obstacles and limiting beliefs and make their own way in the world. Jessie, good morning. It's good to have you here today. Good morning, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. I have been following you around lurking on Facebook (laughs) since we had our, our first conversation a few weeks ago, and you have got a lot going on, but let's start, if you don't mind, by you just sharing your story, and as I told you in the, our virtual green room, I'm probably going to ask some questions about focus. Focus mm-hmm. is a problem for a lot of these. You know, uh, we're, we're so distracted. There's so much going on in the world. We don't believe a lot of what's going on in the world, and we're wandering around going, gee whiz, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. So focus, I think, is important, and you managed and still managed to stay very, very focused. So I'm probably going to ask you for some tips. Just be warned, I'm going to be asking about that. So tell us a bit about you before we get going. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Jesse Park, as you already said. I uh, I feel like I'm just a regular person who had a, a regular life, you know. Uh, I feel like everyone in life has hardships and struggles and things like that, but I feel like it's how you push through them and what you do to get through them that, that really determine your path. Uh, when So I everyone's always just like very dumbfounded that I started insurance just a little over five, five years ago. And I ended up in insurance. Uh, basically, it was not something I even wanted to do. I had had a full-time job, a corporate job, and I was in marketing. I worked for a company for a couple of years. And one day they just let me go. It was, and I, and I feel like that's not a story that's unheard of. You know, a lot of people uh, work for other people and then just let go out of the blue and, and they don't really know what to do with themselves. So I filed for unemployment and food stamps. I have kids, and um, I was really planning on, you know, just finding another marketing job. Um, I was devastated. I did like that job. I remember uh, crying, like, so, like, uh, relentlessly on the drive home, just so, I guess, just disappointed in myself and, you know, wondering what happened and what am I going to do next and worrying about, you know, how I'm going to come up with the money to pay bills because essentially I think most Americans live paycheck to paycheck, you know, or, or maybe if they miss, you know, three paychecks or four paychecks, they're going to be in some serious trouble. You know, the majority of Americans don't even have a thousand dollars in their savings account. And I was one of those. And so um, unemployment in the state of Florida is only $250 a week. And uh, that's not enough. That's not enough to live off of not enough to raise kids off of or anything like that. So I, um, 
job interview after job interview I went on. I couldn't find anything that was close to what I was making before. And time was running out. Uh, You only get six months on benefits, you know, before you have to reapply. Uh, And so I really just, um, I took something reluctantly. Um, I remember even thinking like, oh my gosh, this is below me. I have a college degree. I deserve a salary. I deserve a 401k. I deserve benefits, you know, but I really had to humble myself and realize that um, no one owes me anything and no one's going to come and save me. So I buckled down. I started cold calling and that's horrible, (laughs) you know, and I never really meant for anything to take off. I never really meant to find success in insurance. It was really just supposed to be a bridge until I, I found that other, you know, corporate steady job. And um, within about two months in in insurance, I I was doing pretty good. I, I finally surpassed one of my old paychecks in a week. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, I may have something here, you know, let me, let me go ahead and keep at this. And so within four months, I was consistently making more than I used to make at my corporate job. And I got a call uh, from one of my old resumes that I had out for a company wanting to offer me a position at $80,000 a year with full benefits. And if that offer had come four months sooner, I would have jumped on it. Um, But there was something in me that told me to say no. Uh, that I I may have stumbled across a career path that offers something more than I, I ever knew. And so um, the, the reason for that insurance, it actually is one of the only industries that has residual income. And that was a new term to me. I'd never heard of that. I didn't know what it was. But it's essentially if you sell a policy and the client stays on making their payments for 12 years, you get paid for 12 years, uh, month after month after month when they're making their monthly payments. And I thought if I was doing that well in four months, imagine my life in five years, you know. So I stuck it out and I wrote a million in business in eight months, which was considered the record set for the entire organization that I was with. And um, I hit six figures that year for the first time in my life. And it's just grown from there. From there, I've built, um, I built my book one client at a time. I started recruiting friends. I built my agency one agent at a time. And five and a half years later, um, you know, my life has completely changed, completely changed. So that's essentially how I did it. I mean, I know we're going to talk about focus and getting into the woods and how I stayed, stayed on focus and on task and how I did it because 90 two percent of anyone who ever gets an insurance they fail so it is a really low success rate i have always heard that and listen i don't i can't have a job job i have made sure that i am unemployable you can't afford me for starters and another thing is really you can't because i'm a web developer i do social media marketing i do much better like you with my own agency than I would ever working for anybody else. But when I was, when I was in between, well, let me kind of back up. I had to have a job while I was going to school at night to get my degree. And every time I put a resume out, oh, you'd make a great insurance salesman. Oh my God, no. And I just flinched and cringed and said no every single time. Mm-hmm. And why? I, I don't know what. Well, I'll tell you, when you said cold calling, I flinched again. I was like, oh, God, no. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not that person. I cannot just pop into somebody's office or pick up the mm-hmm. phone and say, hey, I got a great mm-hmm. deal. It's, it's just not me. And I knew that. But it sounds like you have had a completely different experience. So what would the difference between somebody like me is like, oh, my God, no. Yeah, I can't even bear the thought of it. Have you come across people like that where you said, well, let me explain how it actually works? Because I knew nothing about insurance other Mm -hmm. than I hated having to buy it and Mm -hmm. I hated being, you know, sold. I I really Mm -hmm. hated it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I would have been your client nightmare. I'm just telling you right now, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, I mean, so first off, that's that's a two-part question. So if I haven't – 
No, it's it's okay. So the first part is about, you know, cold calling and, and how did I face that fear? Because it was definitely a fear of mine. I did not want to do it, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And so uh, I have anxiety. That's something that I kind of deal with anyways. But uh, when I remember whenever I put off dialing as long as I could, you know, I pretended I was training, reading brochures, you know, uh, but when it came time to dial or or, you know, leave, I, I remember whenever I first started to dial that phone number and my finger was about to hit that call button, I started shaking. Like I just couldn't do it. Like what if they hang up on me or what if they yell at me or what if I interrupt them, you know, and they're, they're mad at me, you know? And so I, for the first two weeks, I couldn't call. I, I only texted people uh, because I couldn't bring myself to actually call and possibly face rejection, you know, and, um, as time grew, as time went on, I, I realized, you know, I, I sat and I talked to myself and I did what I like to call fear setting. I, I talk about it in my book. What's the worst that could happen? You know, what's the absolute worst case scenario that could happen if I call somebody? The absolute worst case scenario is that they call me names, they curse me out and they hurt my feelings, right? Um, do, would I rather face that? Or would I rather have to tell my kids that we don't have enough money for rent and we have to move somewhere, you know, not have a home, you know? And so I figured, well, I'd rather get yelled at and I'd rather have someone call me a name. And so I pushed through that fear. And um, I feel like some people, they don't have to face that decision. And so they just opt for the easy way out, which is just not doing it. You know, they think of every other way they can before, you know, I'll go to networking events, I will post on social media, they'll do everything they can besides dial. And honestly, that's how I found my success. Uh, Because once I kicked it in gear, I dialed four to 600 leads a day for a year. And that is incredible by any means. Not many people do that. They think if they dial 100 people a, a month, they're doing something, you know, and so that's really what made me stand apart from everyone else and why I found, you know, quick success. It's not because I got lucky. It's because I worked hard. And then the, the second part of that question about, you know, you don't want to be sold or anything. I think that's also where I was able to make a difference. You know, that's, I talk about it in my book. You're not, I don't sell my clients. I let them choose. I, I'm a consultant. I pick out a couple plans for them. I tell them the one that I would get if I was getting insurance. But, of course, it's their choice. And so I give them a couple different options, different carriers, different bundles. I also give them the, the permission to tell me that they don't like any of it. And if they don't like any of it, I start all over and I find them something that fits their needs and their budget to the best of my ability. You know, And, and I feel like people have a comfort level with me because – I talk to them like a human. I'm not salesy. I'm not pushy. Um, I'm not the type of, you know, sales. It's a male-dominated industry in insurance. And so all I've ever been taught is ABC, always be closing. You know, have these closing lines. Say it after this. Do this. Do this. And I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to that. It's not – I don't feel comfortable being that pushy. And so I just talk to my clients. We, I build rapport. They become my friends. They refer people to me. Um, they, they know they're not going to get sold. There's no pressure involved when they talk to me. I l- literally just help them find the best plan for them. And I go over all the options. I educate them while I'm on the phone with them. I'll do a screen share with them. Um, to me, sales doesn't have to be salesy. It, you can make a, an amazing living being in sales without having to be dishonest or pushy or any of those adjectives that are used to describe salespeople. And, you know, the thing is, most of us know when we're being sold. And immediately we get kind of, oh, geez, really? And we're not listening mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know when I'm being sold and I'm, but my inner brat kicks in in a mm-hmm. hurry. <laughs> and it becomes a, really? Oh, that's interesting. The whole time I'm saying no, no, mm-hmm. no. And then I eventually get to hell no and we're done. Mm-hmm. But some, you know, it's. It's difficult, and sales are difficult. But I listen, I agree with you. I operate the same way when I'm talking with a, a potential web client or a social media mm-hmm. client, whoever's you know coming to my agency for whatever they need. I'm not selling them anything. 
I'm consulting, mm-hmm. I'm finding, I'm listening. What do they really, really, really need? And you know what I find, and I bet you do too, a lot of times people will come to me and probably you and say, oh, you know, I've got to have this, I need this. Turns out they don't need anything near what they thought they needed. They just need some choices. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you know, a lot of the times I feel like people need educated on insurance and I'll, yes. sit, I'll, you know, take, I'll take the time to do that and I'll go over, you know, what they think they need is not actually what they need, but this is what they're, they're really talking about, you know, and, and I feel like that's why I was able to achieve success, not only just because I worked hard and I put in, you know, three, four times more work than everybody else, you know, um, that starts out, but I also took time to learn the process products and then educate my clients as I built my book of business. And because it was a new approach, I got a lot of referrals and, and I didn't have to dial anymore. Like after about, I started uh, dialing less around month nine or 10. And then from there on out, I haven't dialed. I haven't picked up the phone and cold dialed in about four, I'd say four and a half years. Uh, because now I just get referrals. I just got one while I I looked down at my phone while we're uh, talking, and one of my old clients um, wants me to write insurance for her son. So it's all the time, all the time I get them, and I I don't have to do that hard work, that grueling work anymore, but that's how I got my head start is by digging in and and maintaining that focus that it takes to to really push through the the rough days and the uh, rejection that you get whenever you do phone sales. Right. And it seems to me, and I'm I'm just kind of spitballing here, but didn't you start out working from a library? Or am I, I did. thinking of something else? No, no, I did. So I tried working from home, and I was not good at it. it uh, I didn't have that discipline yet. Um, I would tell myself I was working. I'd give myself excuses as to why I could watch the news or that I deserve to watch The Price is Right because it's my favorite game show. Um, I'd get distracted with laundry, saying I needed to do laundry. Uh, and I feel like that's what a lot of agents do. They feel like they're working because they're getting ready to work, but they don't actually sit down and do the work. And so that was part of the discipline that I needed. I needed to get back to the routine that I had when I was in corporate, get up early, get dressed, get in my car, drive somewhere, sit down at a desk, and get to work. And so that was just something I did to train myself to to be able to do that. I worked from the library for about five months. And then I was able to maintain that discipline that I taught myself by going to the library and able to, to work at home. And I had to be at my desk no later than nine in the morning. I had to take my kids to school in the morning. So one got dropped off at seven, one got dropped off at 8.20. And then I'd be back at my desk with my breakfast and everything by nine on the phone starting to dial. And that discipline is something I didn't have when I first started. So that's why I worked at the public library. Um, I didn't have the money for an office and the library offered student rooms that you could uh, rent with your library card for free. I was going to ask you about that because it's been a long time since I've been in a public library, and I just remember being shushed a lot. I was like, what? <laughs> what? All I did was whisper something to my brother or my sister, and we would get, you know, the finger to the lips. Shh. like, oh, mm-hmm. come on. I didn't realize that you could work from a library these days. That's great yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. They have uh, private rooms that you can block out with your – at least the one I did, I went online, I had a library card, and I'd block out the room for the time I needed it. And they're like student rooms, study rooms, whatever. Um, The library, I went to the downtown Orlando Public Library had a lot. So I would just block one out, sit in there. It's soundproof. So you just sit in there and and I dialed all day. And see, that makes sense. And I love what you say about, um, you know, creating that discipline. I had the same trouble because I opened my office in my home 20 years ago after I got my degree. And I would catch myself jump. I was like a jack-in-the-box. Oh, I've got to do laundry. Oh, you know, I, I need to stretch myself. I'm going to go, you know, throw in a load of dishes. Oh, I'm going to dance in the kitchen with the cat. I wasn't getting much done. So I found I was working later and later at night, 11 o'clock at night. I'd be, oh, I've got to get to bed. And then I realized what I was doing. I was just fiddle farting around, basically, to put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. And once I created that, 
okay, this is a business. Treat it as a business. I'm like you. I'm in my office by 8 o'clock in the morning. I leave at 5, you know, and I've got some breaks in between because, you know, you have to figure out when you're you're really going to be active, what your bio range is, I guess. You know, I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's the right term, but I know that around, you know, 1 o'clock I get tired. So I'll take a one to two hour break and then I'm right back at it and I'm very focused in, but I have to have that break or I catch myself just staring at this monitor and looking at code that doesn't make any sense to me. I love mm-hmm. code. It should make mm-hmm. sense to me, but it doesn't mm-hmm. when I'm tired. Yeah, so exactly. I love the discipline part of it and it's so important, particularly if you're going to work from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what else... I've got to ask you about systems because when you're, look, I'm I'm sitting here going, okay, she wrote this down. She made these calls. Did you have a spreadsheet? Did you have, how did you keep systems? I mean, how did you know who you spoke with when you follow up? You had to have created something. I did. So I had a CRM that I used, but I'm also old school. So I had a, I've developed this. It's in my workbook. Uh, that It's the companion workbook for my book. It's called the 100 Call Sheet. And so essentially it's 100 little octagons on a little, on a piece of paper and you laminate them. And so whenever you, and, and this is just, I'm a, I'm a visual person. So anytime I would, I would call, I'd get a voicemail, I'd write V. Uh, and then the whole sheet would look like V's. It looked like cues for quotes. It looked like um, DNCs for do not call again. It uh, looked like um, uh, take off the list. Like I'd have like little, little marks. So V, A, Q, whatever. And I really focused on the cues. So whenever I had a cue, I would take a notebook and I would write down their name, their phone number, their email address, um, what I quoted them. And then the next day when I'd get at my desk, I would go through my notebook and I'd call back all my cues. And I'd be like, hey, Janice, this is Jesse. We talked yesterday. wanted to see if you had any questions about the quote I put together for you. Uh, were you thinking of when you wanted to start this policy? And they would let me know, no, you know, I, I need a couple more weeks or I would need, you know, let, I, let's start it on Friday. Okay, perfect. So let's go ahead and put in the application for it. You know, I'm, I'm selling them, but I'm not being salesy. They could push it out if they wanted to. They could also tell me no. Um, but that's one of the things I know a lot of agents are concerned about is when they get off the phone with the person, that's why they push so hard, is that they feel like they're never going to, that person's never going to pick up the phone for them again. And so that's just not how I never got ghosted. Um, if I did, it was a rare occasion, like very rare occasion, because I made them feel so comfortable on the initial phone call that when I called them back, they were looking forward to hearing from me. They knew they weren't going to be sold, you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure they all know I, I am a salesperson. Sure. No, I'm not you know, working for free. <laughs> Um, but I was able to just build that connection right then and there. And that's what I teach in my book. And that's what I teach my agents is how to have a, a normal conversation with your clients without being so salesy. And see, I think that is so important because honestly, I get really, my backbone just straightens up when I know I'm being sold and I don't want to be sold. I want more information. I want to be able to think about it. I want to maybe explore some other options. But if somebody keeps pressing me, I'm done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter how good it is. I'm done. I get real pig-headed about it. And I suspect mm-hmm. that that's what a lot of agents are going, oh, geez. You know, they're going, mm-hmm. they're going to be pig-headed and never talk to me again. But you're proving that that's just not the case. It doesn't have to be the case. You know, um, you can you can build rapport with someone to where, I, you know, I became friends with my clients. I got to know their kids' names, their pets' names. When I'd call them back, I'd ask about their dog, Fluffy, you know, and they'd text me pictures. Like, you can really build those connections over the phone without ever even knowing what someone looks like, you know. And, and I feel like there's an art in communicating, and a lot of people skip that part. And they just go straight to cramming the product down the client's throat. And, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. No. And, you know, just as a for instance, I had to spend three hours this week on the phone with AT&T. The first four people I spoke with were lovely. The fifth one, 
ugh, not mm. so much. But, and you know, you're talking about Fluffy. My, I have a cat. He's a hashtag on Facebook. He's a 20-pound giant ginger, and he is hashtag Hamilton is an ass. You can find him all over <laughs> Facebook. He gets Christmas cards. But my point for bringing him up is he was standing here on my desk chatting at me while I was talking with this lovely girl. And she said, oh, what's his name? She knew it was a male, I guess, because he's so stinking loud. So mm-hmm. while she's waiting for answers to come back about my particular issue, we're talking about her cats, my cats. We wound up just having a good old time. You don't expect that from AT&T. Now, she wasn't trying to sell me anything, but she Mm -hmm. also wasn't trying to piss me off, which is what Mm AT&T normally does. Mm -hmm. So I was Mm -hmm. actually really appreciating that phone call with her. Very unusual. So you don't have, you know, and she probably was, she actually was in a sales position because she was trying to get me to stick with her company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there you have it. Just be personable. Exactly, yeah. So let's talk. I mean, you have created the, or you teach the good, better, best method, and you're teaching out of thousands of agents nationwide. Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Sure. So that is essentially a, a method that I came up with that talks about how to build the rapport how to get the clients to talk to you. It comes with a script. On, and a script is by no means anything that you have to say word for word. You definitely want to sound like yourself. You don't want to be robotic. But it is a structure of how to talk to a client and what to ask and, you know, what bullet points that you need to stick to and then have conversations around those. Um, it also is a way that builds policies in the way that um, it makes sense to clients. So, a lot of people don't know, even know what's out there. So I present to my clients the very best thing first. Like imagine going shopping for a car and you tell the car salesman that you can afford $400 a month for a car. And he takes you to the nicest car you've ever seen, right? It's fully loaded. It has all kinds of things that you didn't even know cars come with. Touchscreen radio, massaging seats, um, moonroof, sunroof, turbo engine, but it's a little bit above your price range, right? So then you say, no, I want one near my price range. And you say, okay. And if he takes you to one that doesn't have all those features, you know, it's a little more plain and everything. So the, the good, better, best method is essentially showing clients what's out there, even if it's above their budget, because some people don't even know what, what options are out there for insurance, right? There's all kinds of really cool things out there that pay uh, pay for things that people don't even realize that it pays for, right? And essentially, you can build a plan that covers someone, like, say, for life insurance, right? They don't have to die to get the benefits. A lot of people don't know that. For health insurance, you know, you can have build it in a way to where they essentially have a $0 deductible, um, depending on how you bundle it, right? And But people don't know that. So the good, better, best method is essentially just where – I present uh, the best method first, so the best plan, the best car on the lot, you know, with all the bells and whistles, and then we start stripping it down if they don't want those things, but I at least I'm very transparent with what's in the plan, and then if it costs a little bit more, I tell them, you know, this is slightly above the budget you gave me, but the reason why I like this plan is because it has all of these things, and then I go over each of them, and most of the time, people want them. It's very rare that they say, oh, you know what, no, um, it's like the car thing. If you if you could get a, the turbo car with all everything you ever wanted for sixty more dollars a month, and the sixty dollars was was that car versus a very you know trimmed down car with manual windows and a cassette player, which one would you choose? You know, so that's the method. It presents the very best one first, and then starts taking things away if they can't afford them. You know, and, you know, okay, well, did you not want the dental vision or did you not want the living benefit? Did you not want the child writer? You know, people don't even, they're not even aware that their life insurance policy can also cover their children. You know, so um, those are the things that I go over with my clients, but I do fully load it up the very first time so they can see what all is available to them. And and that's essentially the method. And that's what I've been teaching for years. And it's proven very, very successful. Okay, Jesse, was this taught to you or is this something that you discovered while you were building your own business? 
it's something I discovered. So what, what we're taught as agents is to build a plan that's good for their budget. Um, and sometimes their budgets are really low. And I kind of just started putting together these, these three scenarios, one fully loaded, one not, you know, a little bit less, and one very bare bones. Uh, and it seemed to start working because people understood all the options available to them, and they could decline them if they want to. Remember, I'm not salesy. So I gave them the freedom to say no to something. And so if they didn't like it, I would just take it off. And it wasn't a hardcore push or anything like that. I would just take it off, and then we would go from there. So um, that's something that I developed along the way over the the course of me um, being on the phone so much with clients. And I need to ask you, too, because selling insurance to me seems like it's one of those times structured things it's like okay I've got 30 minutes to make this sale you know I've mm-hmm. talked with multiple agents over time and the ones who always get my business are the ones who are like you they're going to spend some time with me answer mm-hmm. my questions give me options and not say oh well I've got another call gotta go now and that happens by the way so mm-hmm. do you do you find that you're spending at least in the very beginning, a good bit amount of time for something that may or may not come to fruition. But you have to do it, don't you? Yeah, so I don't actually mind doing any of that stuff. I don't mind talking to the client and showing them. I'll even share my screen so they can see exactly what I see. Um, I don't, I'm not going to spend hours on the phone with someone if they don't understand it and nothing I say is going to make them understand it. I'll send them brochures, I'll send them recordings, whatever it is that they need. Um, But I will spend time to go over it with them because to me, building your book of business and insurance is not just the one-time sale. It's making your clients feel comfortable with you so they renew every single year and so they refer all their friends and family to you. So one person may need a little bit more time. I'm definitely not going to cut someone off after 30 minutes. Like I've, I've taken my time I've spent an hour on the phone with somebody to make sure that I get that that client you know but I feel like you know a lot of people in the industry a lot of agents that I ran into they're really just about that first commission because in insurance you get an advance and so they're just worried about that advance they don't really quite understand that if you treat the client right you do your customer service you help them whenever they have questions that it's not just going to be a one-time advance you're going to have that client on your books for 30 40 40 years, you know, 50 years and all their friends and family. So to me, treating the client right the first time, spending that extra time with them to me is worth it. Oh, I agree with you. So that kind of goes back to the always be selling mindset, I guess. Now you train a lot of people. Are you finding that men are, are more liable to go, Hey, that makes sense since that's not what they were told apparently, or are they a Um, a bit resistant yeah, I would say in general, um, uh, I've had a, I've trained a lot of people. I think it just depends on on the person. You know, I don't want to I don't want to box anyone into men or women. I've had men that absolutely listen to everything I say and they go out there and kill it. I've also had men that are defiant and they want to do things the way they want to do. And same thing with women too. So I don't really necessarily think it's a I think it's a per person thing, um, you know, uh, so I don't want to box anyone into that. I've, I've had successful agents of, of both sexes. Gotcha. When did you start? Tra- okay, let's back it up. Let's go to your agency. You went from a library to your mm-hmm. home, and now you've got a good size agency. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that, if you would, because this is part of your story and I think it's important for people to understand now how you work and why you work the way you do and we've covered that so sure, now sure. what what is the net result how did this all come into play sure so yeah started out the library and then started working from home then I started recruiting a couple friends and then um, from there I got uh, they brought in more people they told their friends and their co-workers and things like that and then I started training them out of my house every Friday they'd come over and I do product trainings and things like that and then it grew to be too big of a number in my house so I rented a um, one of those office share spaces in, in downtown Orlando um, for I think it was like 1300 
and it had a, a, a nice conference room. It was like one of those share spaces, you know, so it wasn't private, but it, at least it was somewhere where we could all meet and they had a break room and everything. I rented that for three months. And then from there, I moved into a 1300 square foot building uh, and I rented that one. I shared the rent with somebody else in the same industry. Um, had a conference room. I had eight cubicles. I had my own office. So it was pretty large. Um, and then from there, I upgraded. And I, oh, no, I worked from home for a little bit more because then I got discouraged because people weren't coming to the office. So then I worked, oh. and I worked from home. Yeah. And then I um, I decided that I needed to be out of the house again because something I've learned along these last five years is that I like getting up and getting dressed and going somewhere. I found that when I did work from home and I just rolled out of bed and, you know, got dressed and then made my breakfast and sat down, it started to feel very redundant. And I started to feel like I wasn't, I don't know, it's a, it's a hard, I, I don't think I'm one of those people that really enjoy working from home. I think I like getting out there and seeing people. And and um, at the time I worked from home after that one building, I had an assistant. So she would come over to my house. And I, I think I just felt so bored. Like there wasn't, you know, I didn't have a place if I wanted to train agents. I don't necessarily want every single person I'd ever meet to come over and know where I live, you know. So I ended up getting another office. And um, uh, this one was a two office plus a conference room plus a receptionist room plus eight cubicles and I stayed there for a year and then I started thinking about really expanding and really starting to do this recruitment thing and and hire a recruiter and do ads and things like that and uh, from that I wanted to expand but then I found out the price to rent an office space for the size I wanted was very expensive and it came with so many limitations it came with how many cars you could have parked how many um people you could have in the office at the same time and i figured if i was going to lay out that much money i might as well build something of my own instead of putting that money into a landlord's pocket so at that point in time i decided to buy my own commercial building so i bought a 6000 square foot building that houses more than 50 agents it could you know if if people came into work it could um but that's what i did and so i decided to invest in a commercial property all the while building my agency so that's how far i've come in five and a half years is working from the library now to owning thousand square foot standalone building and that is because congratulations i'm guessing that you maybe rent part of that building out no, it's all mine. All yours. All right. So you're talking, We and I shared this at the top, you know, you're going to share with us how the right mindset coupled mm-hmm. with unwavering grit can empower people to overcome obstacles, and we've talked a bit about that. What are some of the limiting beliefs that you overcame yourself while you were starting this journey? Because, I mean, you said at the beginning, it's not what you wanted to do. It was a temporary solution. It was a mm-hmm. job. You were going to feed your kids, which mm-hmm. is what we all need to do if we have children and I have pets and we have to feed them. You know, you, were, you were doing it for the right reason, but you also didn't really know what you were doing, and your training was, from what I'm hearing, more than a bit sketchy. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you really learned and had to unlearn during that those, that beginning phase and even now? Well, so some of the limiting beliefs that I had, uh, that one of the biggest ones was that, and, and this was just my mindset at the time, was that I deserved to have a salary. You know, right. I, you know I'm college educated. I This is what I deserve. And, you know, when it didn't come in time, I really had to realign those values. And, you know, I I thought commission only, I thought it was a sham. I thought it was a joke. I thought... Uh, only people that don't have anything else to give to a company would take that. I w- looked really down on commission only. And once I actually learned about it and I saw the potential, I realized that it was a huge mindset shift. I realize now that when you work for somebody else, you are tied to them. They control your life. You, It's not security. It's not that job security that we all think it is. It's not. Um, 
commission only means you're an entrepreneur. You're in business for yourself and only you control your destiny. And that was a huge one for me to have to learn um, and, and kind of get used to, to that mindset. And now, you know, I recruit agents all the time and they ask me, oh, do, do you have a salary? And when I say no, they, they look down on it like, oh, well, I deserve a salary. They have the exact same mindset I did, you know, and, and I, I'll talk to them, but if they don't want it, they don't want it. I'm not going to pursue them. Uh, but it's just one of those things that was a huge limiting belief for me. A couple more was, you know, and I still face these today, um, you know, why I feel, I feel like sometimes people have these too, you know, why do I deserve success? Or they have a little voice in their heads that tells them that they're going to fail. They're never going to be good at this. Um, they're never going to make a sale. Uh, the people tell themselves whenever they don't want to dial, they say things like no one wants to hear from me, you know, and I feel like a lot of those things are masked by just excuses because you're scared. You're scared of failure. You're scared of rejection. And really, if you remove the mask, like on Scooby-Doo at the end when they take the mask off and see who the bad guys were, when you take the mask off, you have to have a heart to heart with yourself and realize if it's stemming from fear or if it's stemming from uh, fear of fail, fear of failure, you know, you really have to reassess that. And, you know, if you're telling yourself, I'm never going to be good at this, maybe it's because you're really scared that you won't be good at that and you're going to let yourself down or somebody else down. You know, and those are just the risks that you have to take. You have to be willing to put yourself out there and face that rejection and possibly fail. You know, so many people failed in life before they hit it big, uh, you know, and that's something I talk about too. And, and failure doesn't mean the end, you know, it doesn't mean the end. It's a, it's a learning curve. And I failed so many times in this business, um, you know, and whenever you, you fail like that or you, you have a loss or you lost a deal or you made no sales for two weeks, you know, a lot of people quit, but really it's just kind of like an obstacle. You just have to learn to walk through it, walk around it and keep going. And that was my biggest lesson was not letting the little voice that we all have, not letting it win and keep telling myself that I do deserve success. I do deserve greatness and that I will be successful I'm going to make a name for myself in this business and that's that's what I did and you have I mean it's an amazing story I wanted to ask you very quickly you you said you know you don't there's no salary but you mentioned advance what is it I know what an advance is but what is it for our audience yeah sure so if you sell a policy for say a hundred dollars we're going to keep it very simple a hundred dollars a month and your commission is 100% with a nine-month advance, you would make $900. Does that make sense, the math? Does that make sense? Yes and no. What if somebody cancels it four months in? Then you get a charge back. Okay. That, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not just gifted money. You have to earn it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And okay. They, yeah. And the, if they keep the policy past the advance, then you still get paid on those months thereafter as well. So, so that's the residual. residual. That's where the residual comes in. Exactly. That's okay. Interesting. See, you know, those of us who just need to have insurance, or you know, auto insurance, mortgage insurance. I live in hurricane. It's hurricane season. It just started, and I'm still dealing with the hurricane fallout from. <laughs> I've got a new roof, but my my uh, mortgage company let me know that my insurance company was in receivership. So the rest of it was never taken care of. So we're trying to deal with that now. So I'm Mm -hmm. on the other side of it going, now what? And, you know, I'm sure you deal with people like me who are just going, I don't know what to ask. I don't even know what to do. Can Mm -hmm. I even get this repaired now that I have a new insurance company? I'm sure those questions pop up all Mm -hmm. the time. And listen, a lot of us are like, I don't even want to call them. I don't even want to know what they're going to tell me. I know what they're going to tell me. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Turns out we have to, as you know, insurance purchasers, all have we have to make those calls too. Mm-hmm. We don't want to half the time. We just don't want to, but we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know that's why I I advocate working with a broker, someone who can advocate on your behalf. You know. Um, 
I know Amazon and Walmart, they're moving into the insurance industry as well because it is very lucrative. But whenever you do business with a big box or an 800 number, you're going to get that type of customer service. You know, if you actually work with a broker and you have someone advocating for you, then you have someone on your side that can help you with claims and things like that. And and that's what we provide. That's what most agents, you know, I feel like that's what we're here for. We're not just here for the big bucks and the sale. We're here to actually be an advocate for our clients. And that's as it should be. So is there anything, before we move on to your entrepreneur, you've got a lot going on, and I'm madly impressed with one of you, at least one of them. I know you've got a couple things going on, but you've got a luggage thing going on. Um, is there anything you kind of wanted to share about insurance, about being your, the owner of your own company? Mm-hmm. You know, just focus. I mean, is there anything in particular you want to share before we go on a, a different bit of a tangent here? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the things that I always get asked is, how did I get so lucky? You know, what what did you do that made you so successful? And and I just want to, to tell the people out there that may be curious about the insurance industry is that the insurance industry makes the most millionaires out of any other industry in the world. Out of manufacturing, real estate is number seven. Uh, trades, uh, technology, it is number one, right? It has amazing potential for someone to change their life, to build residual income, to build familial wealth, right? But if it were easy, everyone would do it. It has a very high failure rate. And my suggestion to anyone who's curious about getting in the industry is come into it for the right reasons, right? We're here to help people. We do make great money on the side. That's a byproduct of helping people. So come into it with the right mindset and the right heart. But the the other thing is you got to work. It is a lot of work. It is nonstop. Um, I always tell agents if they want to be successful, they need to tell their family that they're not going to see them for about six to eight months. You're going to be working. working. Mm -hmm. You mean when they first start? When they first start, yeah, they they need to be working 12 hours, 12 hours a day for the first six to eight months. And if if they can put that in for, for six months of their entire life, if they can put that work in for six to eight months, they will change the entire trajectory of their entire life. And, and a lot of people just aren't willing to do that. You know, they think they want it. They think they got it. Um, but when it comes time to it and I sit with them and I see how many people they dialed and how many hours they actually work, um, they're not really working that much. I, I feel like a lot of people don't have the focus that it takes. And, you know, you and I talked about focus and, and that's really one of the things that you have to do. You have to block out your time. You have to be a time manager. You have to realize that when you're an entrepreneur, you don't clock out at five. You keep going, yeah. you know, building something. And you have to have systems. You can't just write it on a notepad and go, oh, I'll remember that. No, you won't. Mm-hmm. And they're done that. So you have to have, I've learned early on, if you don't have systems, and they almost have to be living systems, they have to be constantly, you know, innovating those systems and changing them. As things change. I mean, everything these days changes so quickly. Products change. Systems change technology mm-hmm. changes you have to kind of stay on top of that and people say oh yeah but I'm not making any money if I'm if I'm just working on my system so without a system you're not going to have any clients so mm-hmm. figure mm-hmm. out what's important to you and you know do it exactly yeah okay let's talk about your entrepreneurial spirit which we've been talking about a bit but this is completely different from your insurance so go mm-hmm. start talking talk, talk to me about your your product line because i'm sure. fascinated with it yeah so i have two new product lines coming out i uh I've, i'm a creative person i'm very high highly creative i um I did oil paintings i sold my oil paintings at festivals i'm very creative and so Insurance to me is more business minded, and I like that stuff too. I I can do both, um, but my creative side has been suffering for the past five years while I built this business, and now I actually have the means to be able to invest in in a product that I think is 
is great. Uh, so the two product lines, the first one is a, a perfume and cologne line. Um, that one is an ode to my sister. My sister passed away last year from cancer at the age of, she had just turned 35. And she has two children. They're my niece and nephew. Uh, Alicia is my niece and Evan is my nephew. So I combine their names together. And that's Elysian. And so the, the perfume, the cologne, is, is uh, from Elysian, House of Elysian. And we are launching here probably in the next month, four to six weeks, of probably more than 10 to 15 fragrances. And they, I've been testing them now for about eight months. I've uh, driven to a couple of fragrance houses across the United States to test their fragrances. And they are just the ones I've picked out and developed are amazing. Um, I think it's going to be really innovative. And, and my hope with this company is that it does extremely well. And when my niece and nephew turn 18 and they want to have a company, they want to run a company, they can come, you know, to Florida, move and, and take over the company and have something that they can call their own. You know, one of the things I promised my sister whenever we were I was visiting her right before she passed away is that I would do my best to take care of them. You know, I'm not their parent. They have a dad, but you know, I think financial security in the future is a pretty darn good thing to have. So that's the motivation behind that one. And then my passion project is my new bag line. It's called Executlux. It's for women on the go. It's not necessarily, you don't have to be traveling. Um, They are very large size, um, bags like designer looking bags that are on a roller trolley that is removable Um, the roller trolley can fold up very small and fit inside the bag if you need it to Uh, it is patent pending i filed a patent a couple months ago so um, it is patent pending Uh, and they will be available in september each set um, there's 16 designs i'm launching with 10 Uh, each set comes with matching uh, lunch tote a purse a clutch, a wallet, a passport holder, a makeup case, and then there's also a men's line as well. So the men's line is a tote bag. It's a crossbody bag. Um, We also have a unisex backpack, and then the men have a wallet. So it's a whole line of luxury uh, leather goods that people can use every day um, for their commute, for, you know, just going to work or even for travel. So that one I am very excited about. I've hand designed each purse myself, picking out the fabrics, the colors, the, the texture, um, you know, the, the trolley. I, I designed that from scratch. I sent sketches to a trolley manufacturer. I had to buy the machine that makes the trolleys um, because I wanted it to fold up a certain way. And so that one is just something I'm extremely excited about. I already have a wait list of over 400 people on the wait list waiting until pre-order, which is in July. Um, and I do expect to sell out my very first shipment. So I'm, I'm just very excited about that. Congratulations. And I'm so sorry to hear about your sister, but I love that you are, you know, keeping her in your heart and helping Mm -hmm. her children. That's amazing. And that's a terrific story. Thank you for sharing it. And your bags. I've been watching, like I said, I mentioned this earlier, I've been lurking around on Facebook Mm -hmm. because you take pictures, you know, you'll be out and about and you'll have this bag. You know how somebody will, will, you know, you'll walk up to somebody and say, here's your coffee and donut. You're going, give me, give me, give me with both hands. Mm-hmm. I'm doing mm-hmm. I'm looking at those bags going, give me, give me, give me. Both my hands are like, I want to, I, I don't need yeah. one. I don't. <laughs> you ought to see my my closet. Honest to God, I live at home. I work at home. I'm an introvert. I rarely go anywhere. But it, I love bags. And it looks like Nordstrom's threw up in my closet. It's terrible in there. And I look at yours and go, I wonder if I should maybe start traveling again. I mean, that's what, you know, the kind of thought that those mm-hmm. things evoke in me. The one that you shared recently, I can't remember, you were somewhere at some kind of event and I saw the trolley handle. I went, oh, but I did not realize until you just said now that it's removable, which now mm-hmm. makes me go, gimme, 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 because I, I love a giant bag. 
Yeah, so I, I developed it because I do uh, go a lot of places, even just on my daily commute to the office and everything. And I feel like women, we have so much to carry. We have our purse, we have our lunch, we have our laptop case, we have folders, you know, we have our phone. And there wasn't really a solution out there that uh, where we could carry it all, roll it, so we don't have to lug it around on our shoulder or cross body or anything like that. And the the options that were available, they looked like carry-on luggage, like a suitcase. They were ugly. And so right. there was nothing fashionable out there that we could use on an everyday basis that would carry all of that stuff. Mine are expandable, so they get bigger the more you put into them. But if you, they're not fully loaded, they're, they kind of look a little smaller, and uh, the trolley thing, it, I, I needed it to be removable because we don't always want to roll it. Sometimes we want to carry it, and they're they're so sexy. Like, it could be a nice overnight bag somewhere. It can fit everything. Um, it can fit a couple outfits, shoes, my purse, my lunch. I fit so much stuff in there. It is such a really nice size. It's not too big. It's not too small. And if you do go on a plane... It is carry-on regulated, so you can take it on board with you. It's super cute. It fits up in the in the stove, you know, above the seats and everything. And I've traveled a lot with it. I get stopped all the time. TSA even pulled me over one time, and they're like, we just have to know where you got the bag. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm really excited about that that project. I can't cannot wait to launch that. You know, I'm already on your list. Do I need one? No. Do I want one? Yeah. I I have, you know, I've got a couple of giant, um, I've got a D Donna Karam, New York, big leather bag that when, if I go anywhere for the weekend, I shove everything, including my shoes in there, but I can't roll it. So I need one of yours. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) I must have, I'm serious. I'm doing the gimme, gimme, gimme hands again. So what else? I'm, is there anything else that you've got going on right now? And thank you for sharing that because, and listen, everybody, go find this. Where can people, before I let you go, where can people find the bags? Where can they find you? Just sure. tell us where we can, your book, tell us where we can find everything. Yeah, so everything, all the links to everything is on my personal website, which is jessiepark.com. That's J-E-S-S-I-P-A-R-K.com. And on that uh, on that website, you'll find links to my book, Soul Beneficiary. That's S-O-U-L, Beneficiary. It's, that book is on Amazon along with the workbook. And then you'll also find my bag line, which is called Execulux. That's E-X-E-C-U-L-U-X-E. That website is Execulux.com. Uh, right now we're doing pre-order wait list. So um, people can fill out their name and information. They'll be notified whenever we get the pre-orders in, which is in July. And then my uh, perfume is ElysianParfum.com. And both of those, like I said, they're all on jessiepark.com. You don't have to write all this down. It's all available there. But, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to launch both of those projects. I have I have a, um, you know, that fire you get when you're an entrepreneur and you're really excited about something. I feel that fire again. Um, for these right. two projects. And so I'm just very excited about those. And as a creative, I mean, this makes perfect sense. Listen, a lot of people don't realize that people like you, people like me, I, look, I write code in my sleep. I literally mm-hmm. do. I have a computer science degree. Nobody cares about it but me because I had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You're a very creative person, but we have to make a living and we have to do what we do best but we can also be extremely creative at the same time. We want mm-hmm. things calm down a little bit. So good for you. Like I get your passion. I can hear it. And I think mm-hmm. other people can too. And listen, everybody, go to Facebook and look at those bags. And you'll be doing the gimme hands too because they're fabulous. Thank <laughs> Seriously. You. Okay, Jess, so you told everybody where we can find you. Was there anything left that you wanted to maybe share before I let you go? Because we're just about done with time here. Um, I mean, I feel like I've covered everything. I do just want to leave with this. I would say, you know, um, I've changed the the entire trajectory of my, my life, not just mine, but my kids and even my parents too. You know, um, I was able to buy my dad a house. I have been able to help my mom out. I redid her, her bathroom. I, I helped them. I helped my, my daughter works for me. I would say the biggest the biggest accomplishment that I've had at all is not 
about the money and it's not about, um, you know, uh, the flash or anything like that. My biggest accomplishment and the thing I am most proud of is building, being able to build something that not only benefits me, but also my parents, my kids, my sister's kids, um, and future generations from what I've been able to build with the insurance industry. So if anyone is interested at all in a career in insurance, we, uh, my team and I, we really make sure that you are, you're licensed, you're trained, you have mentors, you have um, people ready to help you, you know, help you with your first quote, you know, help you get on track and everything. Please go to joininspiredinsurance.com, fill out the form, and I'd be happy that's where my passion is also as well as helping people that want to help themselves and change their lives too. So fill out that form. We'd be very, you know, we'll get in touch. We'll go over everything you need in order to make the career transition and answer any questions you have. Give us the the URL one more time. Sure. It's www.joininspiredinsurance.com. Perfect. Just Thank you. It has been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice and your passion that you have shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, and honestly, anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. You cannot throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So look for us, find us, and take us along on your success journey. Jesse, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Denise. It was a pleasure talking to you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.